everyone and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Boys Apprenticeship Program. On tonight's show, we are remembering September 11th and since I'm sure you will hear a lot of what happened in New York on this date, we are going to talk about what happened in Chile on September 11th of 1973. You'll learn about what happened on Ch in Chile on that day, why it happened, why it's still important, and how our own Bay Area responded to it. Tonight, we will interview Chileans Fernando Torres and Hector Salgado. We will also hear from Eric Leeson, one of the founders of La Peña Cultural Center in Berkeley. Then we will hear the voice of singer-songwriter Victor Jara and talk a bit about Nobel laureate Pablo Neruda and his connection to the events. All that's tonight on Full Circle. We are your hosts and I am Darlene Pagano. And Laura Chegaray. Stay with us. everyone and welcome again to Full Circle. While most Americans prepare to memorialize another anniversary of the September 11 attacks of 2001, not many realize that there is another country marking that same day, only many years before. On September 11, 1973, Chile's democratically elected and socialist president Salvador Allende was overthrown in a military coup. Coup. Most credible sources estimate a hundred thousand were killed and disappeared. Tens of thousands more were victims of arbitrary arrests and torture, and around a million were exiled. Tonight, we are honored to have Fernando Torres, a Chilean musician and songwriter who lived in Chile at the time of their September 11th, back in 1973, and was imprisoned and later exiled. Welcome to Full Circle, and thanks for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. Fernando, in 1973, you were just 16 years old. What was your experience immediately after the coup? Uh, it, it was a very horrendous experience. Um, uh, we never uh, imagined the fury and, and, and how hard the, the coup was. Uh, later, we uh, learned that the military have a law of uh, um, teachings of, uh, by the United States, not only army, but politicians in, uh, in Chile at that time. And um, we didn't expect to be so violent. Uh, some of us, uh, we did expect a coup uh, because of the situation and, um, and because of the economical crisis that was forced imposed to us by the United States and um, uh, right sectors of, of the Chilean society. But uh, nevertheless, it was a sad surprise for all of us, uh, especially for myself. Who I, I, 
I, I came, uh, my awakenings, my political awakenings were during the agendas, uh, during the agendas, uh, revolutionary government. I was a little kid. I have, a, I was 14 years old and, and, and I was very happy to have uh, such a government. And, and of course my, my involvement in that government was through music. Okay. So, President Allende was the first socialist candidate to demo be elected democratically, the first one in Latin America. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, why did it happen? Why did this all happen? Not only in Latin America, he was the first uh, candidate in the world to come uh, 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 and being elected by the popular vote. Uh, and he was declared uh, a Marxist uh, president, socialist president. But he always had the, his own style. Uh, he has his own, his own program. It was called the Chilean Way to Socialism. Uh, and it was something that uh, really involved the participation of the masses in Chile. And he got a lot of support from that. Wow. And... What was the, the role of the U.S. in all of these? You, you mentioned something, but can you expand a little bit more? Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. For some reason, the U.S. Uh, and Kissinger and, and the, the duet Kissinger-Nixon at that time felt that Chile was part of some kind of domino. <laughs> and uh, so uh, they said that they couldn't allow another... Uh, They call it fall. This couldn't allow that Chile fall into into a sort of like a domino um, thing that uh, they couldn't allow that a Marxist or socialist government be implanted in the south of the continent. I guess they were yeah. afraid that everybody will get the socialist bug, no? <laughs> yeah, but we didn't see it that way. We, we were not thinking about the Soviet Union. We were thinking in improving the social conditions of our people. That's what we were thinking about. We of were course. not part of anything. And even uh, uh, Allende was, and his popular government and his coalition, the Unidad Popular, the Popular Unity Coalition, it was uh, uh, a reflection of the Chilean, Chilean way to socialism. It was nothing to do with foreign uh, uh, powers. Uh, even uh, Fidel Castro from Cuba, he was not really uh, uh, in agreement politically with Allende, even though they were really good friends. Mm. So, um, but unfortunately, we fall into, into that uh, paradigm, which is not even a paradigm, but we, we fall into that reasoning of the U.S. government that we were sort of like a part of an international complot to turn all Latin America into a socialist <laughs> continent. Mm. We're trying to give everybody a, a bad example in, in their head, no? Right. That's what they were thinking. Exactly, exactly. And how did you end up in the USA? Well, uh, uh, I was a member of... I joined and uh, joined the, the the resistance movement after after the coup d'état, and uh, and we we call it the resistant resistance, like it's being called today in this country, the resistance movement. So I, I participated in that for many years. For, I think for uh, 
for three years. I uh, have a clandestine printing shop in my house, um, and we were printing, you know, flyers, all kind of um, uh, documents, uh, and um, we wanted to stop the retreat of the people. Uh, after the coup, the military coup, there was a very deep, deep retreat of the people. Uh, they almost killed or put into jail almost the whole structure, the whole, the whole leadership of the Chilean revolution of Allende. So we wanted to, we, we tried to stop that retreat and we wanted to uh, encourage people to come out to the street again. And, and I guess one of the, the charges was uh, Asociación Ilícita. Mm-hmm. Illicit association? Illicit association, something mm-hmm. like that. So, but we were uh, really involved in politics at that time. We were not involved in arms struggle because we didn't have the arms, but we were involved. We were, we were going towards that end, but we couldn't uh, reach it. <laughs> so you got um, put in jail because you were printing flyers. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And uh, as according to them, uh, uh, no, the dictatorship mm-hmm. cancel all the meetings. Even if uh, if you have a birthday party, you have to go to their police headquarters closest to your house and ask for permission. Because uh, I think it was if you if you have a party in your house or a gathering of five or more people, you have to register and you know put go to the. Mm-hmm. Police headquarter, mm-hmm. write your name and saying that tonight you're going to have a party. Wow, you couldn't invite your, your auntie and his right. <laughs> the rest of the family. So quickly, um, tell me, um, so once you put in jail, then what happened? Well, uh, when I, I, I was caught and put in jail, I had a, a, a military tribunal uh, and, and, and they, uh, uh, they, they had a It was a trial and 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 sentence. I was sentenced to prison, and but at that time, uh, Pinochet was made a, a a big mistake because he wanted to expel most of the political prisoners because it was more it was cheaper for them to have these people outside the country than than have them inside the country, filling up the jails. You had to pay uh, food. You had to, you know, make a big, big spend to to hold thousands and thousands of political Pretty prisoners. Pretty much half of all the country over. was right. in jail. So, so for them, it was a really good uh, move to start sending them outside. <laughs> But this, you know, backfired on them because you know we the the, the Chilean solidarity was a, an international movement that, you know, that that was very effective in many cases. Mm. And how did that manifest in your life? Did you work? And then I, uh, I, 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 uh, I was offered several visas for several countries. One of them was this country. Mm-hmm. And it was easy for me to come to this country because I had a family here. I have family in Boston, in Boston, Massachusetts. So they, they, uh, um, they provide a sponsorship. The mm-hmm. condition was that you had to have a sponsorship. So many of the exiles came to this country with sponsorship. Those who didn't have families were sponsored by churches, by churches. So the requirement uh, to come to this country was, number one, you, you are not member of the Communist Party, 
and number two, you are not involved in armed struggle. So if you have these two conditions, they give you visa. Okay. It was the government of uh, Jimmy Carter that supposedly was the government of human rights. Oh, so that was three right. years after, because uh -huh. you, you told me you spent three years in jail. And as I remember... When no, no, were... I didn't spend three years in jail. No? No. Hector did. <laughs> oh, sorry, Hector. I just spent a little less than, than a year in jail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry about that. No, no, I, I remember you telling me that he, you were offered, you know, you either spend this time in jail or you spend double that time outside the country. Yeah, uh, maybe that was the, the, the thing that uh, mm -hmm. it, it was technically once you get the sentence mm -hmm. and then you, your sentence is commuted to um, um, by the decree 504 which change your sentence by exile immediately the, the, the your sentence double so if you are condemned I was condemned for three years supposedly it will be six years in exile right okay. right <laughs> Well, thanks, Fernando, for being <laughs> with us tonight. I'm so happy you also brought your music. Yes. And then we will listen to some, the song Ingrimo with the group Madelina y los Carpinteros, who will also be joining the world-famous Chilean folk group Inti Limani at the upcoming event 100 Blossoms for Violeta Parra. This event is in honor of the 100th birthday of Violeta Parra, the Chilean singer songwriter responsible for the new song movement throughout latin america and that concert will be on october 14th at the freight and salvage here in berkeley for more information call 510-644-2020 or visit thefreight.org that's thefreight.org and while we listen You can call us here in KPFA at 510-848-4425 because caller number five is going to get one free ticket for this show. Again, the number for the 100 flowers for Viola Tapata is 510-848-4425. Y el mar no 
el vuelo del país Diles que no vuelvo en cuerpo Nothing but your drifting could bring me back to shore Nothing but your wishes would make my dreams come forth Tell them I won't be there Congratulations to Patricia from San Francisco. You're the winner of the ticket. You're going to see 100 Blossoms from Violeta Parra. Welcome back to Full Circle here on your Community Power Radio 94.1 KPFA. We just listened to the song Ingrimo by Madelina y los Carpinteros. They will be opening the concert honoring Violeta Parra next October 14. Speaking of... Extraordinary Chilean talent. We don't want to go any further without at least mentioning 1971 Nobel Prize laureate Pablo Neruda. Many of our listeners might know him as one of the most important poets of the 20th century, but Pablo Neruda was also a diplomat and close friend of President Salvador Allende. Pablo Neruda died in mysterious circumstances just a few days after the coup. His family is convinced he was murdered. His funeral is considered the first demonstration against the Chilean dictatorship. 
We won't have time tonight to listen to his poetry, but we will be posting several links on our website, KPFA Apprentice. That's all one word, kpfaapprentice.org. Up next, we have the great opportunity to speak with filmmaker, musician, and composer Hector Segaldo. At age 16, Hector Salgado was arrested and tortured by Pinochet's forces. By 20, Hector was without a country, living in the U.S., the very place whose devastating foreign policies in Chile caused the death and torture of thousands of Chileans. He and his wife, Marianne Talecki, produced the film Special Circumstances that document his return to Chile, where he confronts his perpetrators. Thank you for accepting our invitation, Mr. Salgado, or Hector, I should call you Hector. Hector's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. As we mentioned earlier, the United States in about to memorialize the 11 uh, events of the September 11 in New York. Can you tell us why it is so important to tell the story of Chile and why we all need to know about what happened? Yeah, it's very important for me and I think for, la for everybody to remember the past. And I was thinking before I came here, like um, in 1970, you know, I was... Um, 16, uh, 14, around there, and the Nazi, uh, you know, taking power in Germany was, you know, an idea, you know. We knew a little bit, but we didn't knew much. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people my age that time didn't maybe wonder about what happened, and they didn't want to be informed. Um, and I think that the new generations, you know, American people, you know, uh, teenagers, people in their 20s, 30s, they should remember what took place in, in Latin America and specifically in Chile because it happened all over. The coup in Chile was in 1973, but there was a coup also in Argentina in 1976 and so on in many places. And all of them organized and orchestrated by the United States. Um, we know that Nixon was behind, like Feña was saying before, uh, Nixon and Kissinger were behind the coup in Chile. So it is important to remember because history repeats itself many times. And we always find things in the future that are similar to things that in the past. And we have to be aware. And, and, and we have to organize ourselves and we have to talk about it. Mm. And you made a film about your experience during those times. And what it was the message that you bringing? We don't want to give out the mm -hmm. movie, but yeah, we want to encourage uh, the, people. Mm -hmm. The message of the film is to remember. You know, it, it took me many, many years to go back to that time of my life and to to go back to Chile and confront the people who tortured me and killed a lot of people that I knew, a lot of my friends. Um, and I never wanted to be seen as a victim. Um, I wanted people to understand that I, I feel like I'm, I'm fighting. I'm still fighting uh, to find justice for for me and for for the Chilean people. And with this little film, uh, we've been able to um, to bring justice. Actually, um, when I confronted a lot of those um, people who tortured me, uh, and then later on with the years, I gave the information to a judge in the city of Concepcion, Chile who with that information and the film he went after them and we we were able to put in prison a couple of them 
for the crime they committed. Um, and so I was, you know, pretty excited and, and proud of, of the work that I did. Wow. Wow. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that work. Mm -hmm. um, and where can, where can we find this movie? Where can we go see it? Or is there a, a place where we can... Yeah, well, uh, in the world of movies, this movie is an old movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a 2007. Um, we are part of a, of a collective uh, named uh, New Day, New Day co uh, Film Collective. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can find it on the web, New Day Films. Mm -hmm. And there is, the people can get the movie f from from there. From and the unfortunately, the website that we have put together for the film in 2007 it's not up anymore because we're putting a new website with the new film that I'm doing and it's also about Chile it's also about the theme of uh, human rights mm -hmm. so I w we haven't talked about this and I, I was going to ask uh, Feña about it but um, I some of the people asked me what was important in Chile that they were trying to protect I mean the interest of the United States do you, do you have that information what were yeah. I, I know about the mines but there's probably more that they were trying to protect in Chile well, I mean yeah I mean in the, from the 40s 50s um, there was a big ec economic presence of the United States in Latin America In Chile specifically, they were in charge of the mining, uh, which is, you know, a big part of the Chilean economy. I will say, like, the main. They were taking all the money from the copper sales. Uh, telephone, IT, uh, AT, uh, ATT. AT&T, yeah. AT, right, they own all the telephone lines in Chile and, and many others. Um, It was a combination of economic policy and also geopolitical, you know, influence in Latin America. Like Feña was saying, you know, they didn't want to have, um, they didn't want to have a, a domino, you know, a situation where after Cuba, Chile was going to be the next, you know, socialist country and then, you know, another one. So, the, 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 the U.S. have a big influence also in the military. We have to remember that a lot of the Chilean uh, military personnel was coming to uh, Norfolk, Georgia, to get training and also to Panama, to the Escuela de las Americas, uh, where they learn everything. Uh, basically, how to torture people and how to kill people. Um, so, you know, there's, there's plenty of evidence that the U.S., And the Nixon administration specifically was behind the coup. I think I read a couple of years ago that I think that the U.S. put down $100 million dollars to go against um, uh, Allende uh, in 1973. $100 million dollars is a lot of money for 1973. And that was the all, you know, money that the CIA was getting and, and doing cover operations. You, you had said that um, I over 
maybe overestimated oh, yes, I wanna... the, the ravages in Chile. Can you try to speak more accurately about that? Right. Well, the numbers are always, you know, and, and I mean, as you know, maybe that we have a lot of people disappear in Chile. We haven't found their bodies, you know, from 1973. And the numbers are different, but I don't think we have 100,000 people who, uh, killed in Chile. I, some of the numbers are between 40 and 30,000 people killed. And then we have another 3,000 people uh, disappear. Some of them have been found in Chile, mm-hmm. and some others, we don't know where they are. And then uh, 250,000, maybe 300,000 people who were forced to go to exile. But then when we add the families and other situation, economic situation and everything, Overall, it's a, like a, a one million people in exile. So, for a country that it was uh, 14 million people at that time, that's a big impact in the life of the Chilean people. That was horrible. I mean, there was no family who was affected by, by the military coup by Pinochet in Chile. Can you say a little bit about the... Did communities form in the United States, or was the dispersal too great? Well, the communities who came to the un- to the U.S. basically they went to the East Coast, like New York, Boston, Chicago, and then some communities were settled here, uh, settled here in Berkeley in the Bay Area. Uh, by the way, I, I have to say that we are having a commemoration. Uh, we're commemorating the coup d'état in Chile. Uh, 44 years and we are having it this Monday uh, September 11 at La Peña uh, around um, I think around 7 o'clock Feña I think yeah yeah. so we you know everybody's welcome what we do is that we get together we do a, a little circle um, there's people in our community who have never talked about what happened to them personally and sometimes every year some somebody take this opportunity to share with the rest of the community, you know, how they feel after 40, 44 years of being, you know, exiled. And and also we have music and everybody's welcome to go. Sounds great. Yeah. I wish I'd want to be there. Um, and how do they, um, mem- how do people remember in Chile? Do you know how they do? Um, different ways, you know, uh, there's a lot of rage. I mean, especially young generations who keep listening, you know, that a lot of military people who committed crimes are still free and walking, you know, the streets of Chile without any, you know, um, free. You know, nobody has... No remorse. No remorse. So, you know, there are areas in Chile where there's a lot of protests. You know, people go out and protest and, you know, sometimes they, they confront the police. But, you know, other people go to Santiago, um, where we have Salvador Allende's um, statue in front of the palace, uh, and and people go there to pay respect to him. Uh, uh, Yeah, it's a a combination of... uh, uh, But people remember very well what happened in Chile. And, uh, you know, there's a a lot of the military people who are still active in the... In the army, uh, there are a lot of politicians who supported the coup, who are also uh, active uh, and you know in politics in Chile. And uh, Pinochet's wife is still alive, 
and she was right behind him for the whole time he was in power, 17 years, and she was a powerful woman. So people also, you know, would like um, to Just close that that period of, of you know, and. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that things are better now that Pinochet is out, but there's a lot more to do, right? Yeah, I mean, Pinochet put in place uh, a constitution in 1982 who set the future of Chile for, for forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, we, and, and that is the constitution that we're still dealing with. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't been able to change it. And uh, economic policies who are, you know, neoliberal, uh, Chicago policies that are still, you know, in place. In, in the U.S. In the U.S. after all this year. Oh, did I repeat something? <laughs> 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 no, my my friends in the room, the boardroom, are, uh, they want to know how do you relate those experiences to um, the experiences here and the, 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 what we Americans or uh, people in, in America or in the United States, I should say, are um, experiencing now with with this administration yeah well this is a scary time for everybody i mean believe me i have i, I never been i've been here 40 t- something years i I never been afraid of my security you know my family's future than now with uh, with the trump administration and you know there's a very fine line um you know we never thought that we we're going to have a dictatorship in chile uh, between being an authoritarian government and and start dismantling all you know Congress and it's so we have to be alert. We have to be aware of the situation and we have to support, like Fenya was saying, the resistance. Yeah, mm-hmm. we need to be vigilant. Mm-hmm. So another, I can, yes, another uh, example is really important. Is that uh, we 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 here have very short mem- term mem- memory. Mm. And we tend to forget really easily. Uh, some people call it hypo- hypocrisy. And uh, for instance, the case of Russia intervention in, in the politics in, the, in, in here, in this country. <laughs> there you have a clear case of intervention in Chile by this government, which uh, it was a planned intervention. So what, this, what happened there is happening today and we cry over Russia because Russia is in, in, intervening the, uh, in, in the election of this country when we did the same thing you know yeah, in yeah. other parts of the world yeah yeah. why do we complain well, we now? have to say though that uh, you know the Putin government is a very authoritarian government too mm. um, I, I have to say that you know not that we are supporting the Putin administration, but I think it's important to say that they have, you know, killed a lot of journalists in, in, in Russia and, and they have, you know, supported some really, you know, not very nice people around the world too. I mean, look look, look what happened in Syria, you know. So there is, is you know, there is a, a lot of hypocrisy, yeah. you know, in politics. Well, definitely. Um, we need to be very vigilant, um, and I want to give one more time the information about your uh, movie, because I know you're doing another movie now. Right. Can you 
tell us a little bit? Well, the the this movie that I'm doing now, it's just I'm just in the beginning process, uh, research and development, and we are very excited because we have a producer in Chile who um, two years ago won Sundance with the film, mm. and so the name of the film is Flores Rojas, Red Flowers, mm. and. We hope to start shooting uh, next year in December. Awesome. Well, best of luck to you. And we're going to um, listen to some music written by Hector Salgado. This piece is the is a, actually part of the soundtrack of the movie, um, Special Circumstance. And this piece is called Never Forget. Great. Never forget Until they die, many tears shed by the ones left behind. Fake war tribe, you know, firing squad. To Fernando's life, he paid the ultimate price. Never forget, that's what he wrote in his last note. With family and friends, he would never see again. Told Major LA, that's where it happened. Soldiers, generals, privates, and captains. Passing the blame, trying to hide their shame. Unjustified murder, ain't that insane? Put your hand on your heart if it's still beating. They left emotional wounds and they still bleed.
Welcome back to Full Circle here on KPFA 94.1 FM. You just heard Never Forget by Hector Salgado and the voice of Naru Quina from the soundtrack CD of the movie Special Circumstances. One of the first scenes in Exor's movies was a Chilean music event a La Peña here in Berkeley. Did you know that La Peña was founded in response to the Chilean struggle for sovereignty? We, found, we spoke with Eric Leeson, one of the founders founding of La Peña Cultural Center here in Berkeley. And here is what he had to say about how this community space came to be. Well, essentially, La Peña is a direct outgrowth of the Chile Solidarity Movement. When the coup happened in Chile in 1973, September 11th, there was outrage throughout the world. And, of course, Chile was a tragic situation. Many people were routinely assassinated and imprisoned, tortured. But in the world was just really upset, and that was true here in the United States as well. So a number of us who had been interested in Chile for some time had actually begun forming solidarity committees even before the coup happened in support of the Allende government and the concept of non-intervention by the U.S. in Chile. That movement grew exponentially after the coup and we organized many demonstrations and many um, actions. However, we realized that if we could have a permanent place where that could serve as an educational center to talk about what happened in Chile in the broader context of U.S. imperialism around the world and also domestically, we thought that would be very important. And immediately the idea came to mind of a peña as in Chile, because the Peñas were very important social centers where music and food were brought together and lots of political conversation. I don't know if you're aware of the new song movement. Well, of course, the Peñas were great expositories of that movement. So the idea was to take some of the folks who were working in Chile Solidarity, I being one of them, and really go full-time on a project that could create a Peña here in the Bay Area. I should say, we set up the legal foundation for La Peña on September 11th, 1974. So it was meant to send a message of resistance against the coup in Chile because we thought this would be a great way of fighting back. Of the original group that worked on setting up La Peña, three or so of those folks were Chileans who had been residing in the United States for a long time. They were not political refugees from Chile. Again, we're talking 1974 here, and La Peña opened in June of 75. If I recall correctly, the political refugees from Chile did not start arriving in, at the very earliest in 76, but I think probably more like 77. So it was wonderful to have a facility like La Peña to greet them and to create many jobs and to have a place where the Chilean culture and spirit could really be transmitted. Now, as time went by, I would say that it was the Chilean spirit that really made La Peña 
that uh, over the course of years became a center of the Chilean community and that community comprised of a number of refugees was very solid and gave it kind of a flavor and character. But the Peña was, from the very get-go, we wanted it to be something internationalist, which was also keeping in the spirit of Chile. We wanted it to be a place where we could fight against oppression of all types. And there are many wonderful stories of events that have occurred there. I mean, we're talking about a 42-year history. But we've had the opportunity to do many wonderful things, including hosting Cesar Chavez's 50th birthday party, receiving many, many famous performers of the new song from Latin America, hosting probably at this point thousands of benefits for different organizations. You know, remember when we started La Peña in 75, the Vietnam War was still going on. <laughs> so it's a really different world. So many stories, so many satisfactions, no? Through the years. And what is going on right now at La Peña? Is it still doing this work? I believe so. I'm not as involved today as I've been over the years. I kind of come and go and play a role at different times. You know, I think La Peña represents progressive culture and the link between culture and the importance of progressive causes for the Bay Area. There's no doubt about that. At the same time, as I suggested before, times are really different. You don't have the political climate that you had back in the 70s. The other thing that's different is when we started La Peña, there really was no other place quite like it. Now, for those of you who've been there, you know we're next door to the Starry Plow, which back in its day was also much more political, by the way. In fact, some of the first benefits we had to raise money for La Peña were at the Starry Plow. But I don't think their vision was quite as internationalist, and they certainly weren't focusing on Latin America. I think this notion of La Peña has continued over the years. The other thing that's happened is there are a lot more venues available now. Um, which is good, that we have many different cultural centers and musical places where people can express themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think the reality is that La Peña is kind of a bit downsized from what it was back many years ago, which is only natural. I think it's actually fairly amazing that it survived. The Reagan period, the Bush period, and hopefully the Trump period, because there have been cutbacks in funding all along the way, and as all of us in the Bay Area know, it gets increasingly expensive to operate anything, much less a, a cultural center. But I think with the, given the resources that exist, they're doing a great job. That was the voice of Eric Leeson, one of the founders of the La Peña Cultural Center on Shattuck Avenue here in Berkeley. This show about Chile and the coup of September 11th, 1973, would not be complete without the voice of Victor Jara, whose theater, music, and activism played a pivotal role among neo-folkloric musicians who established the Nuevo Cancion Chilena, the new Chilean song movement. This led to a surge of new sounds in popular music during the administration of President Salvador Allende. This song is titled El Derecho de Vivir en Paz, or The Right to Live in Peace.
When we come back, we will learn more about Victor Jara as we continue our conversation with Eric Leeson, who happened to make friends with Victor Jara in Chile. singing El Derecho de Vivir en Paz, or The Right to Live in Peace. Don't forget to visit the Full Circle website, where we will post more links to Victor Jara's music, Pablo Neruda's writings, Hector Salgado's movies, Fernando's concert for Violeta Parra. 
Our web address is apprentice at kpfa.org. Excuse me, kpfaapprentice.org. That's kpfaapprentice, one word, dot org. Let's listen to the end of our interview with Eric Leeson. You mentioned that when you were living in Chile, you made friends with Victor Jara. Can you tell me a little bit more about that story? Well, essentially, what happened is one time I was leaving Chile to go to Argentina, and I had to do a bureaucratic operation of getting a certain stamp on my passport because I had a student visa. And coincidentally, standing in line three people down was Victor Jara. So we began talking. I recognized him, of course, and we began talking. And he said, well, you know, when, when you get back from your trip, let's get together. And sure enough, we did. So it was really an amazing experience to have the opportunity as a 22-year-old to meet him and then to be able to share a number of experiences. He was extraordinarily generous in all ways and with his time. So he would occasionally invite me over for dinner and sometimes ask me to accompany him when he went on an activity. So I remember going to the Yarur factory, which had been taken over by the workers, where he was talking to them about political issues and, and singing songs. I also attended one of his recording sessions and generally had exposure to many things. Subsequently, when a good friend of mine wrote a book, we sent it down to Victor. This is one of the first books that came out on Chile after the coup and we got his feedback on it so it was really great and i can't tell you that you could meet a nicer warmer down-to-earth person than victor Hara. yes indeed you're listening to 94.1 fm kpfa thanks to mr eric listen for being so gracious and let us interview you We just got a call back from Patricia in San Francisco who says actually she can't go to the concert on Saturday, October 14th at the Freight and Salvage Coffee House, which is the celebration of a hundred blossoms for Violeta Pada, featuring Inti Imani as the head of the list. We will take at 510-848-4425 the first caller who wants one ticket to that, and they can have Patricia's ticket. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Tune in next week to Full Circle for a compilation show. Members of the Apprenticeship Training Program will bring pieces that they have recently produced, and each piece will have a special premium associated with it. KPFA Fund Drives offer listeners the most interesting and informative uh, incentives to become KPFA members. So don't miss this fun drive episode next week. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is Frank Sterling and Joy Moore is our production consultant. We've been your hosts, Laura and Darlene. Special thanks to Kat on the soundboard and Steve and Sharon, our tech assistant duo. Thanks again for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Stay tuned. La Onda Bajita is next.